Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of ANC's Matters of Fact. I'm your host, uh, Christian Esguera. Now, this podcast was recorded last July 7, the day after the uh, House of Representatives uh, hearing into the application for a new broadcast franchise by ABS-CBN. Of course, ABS-CBN is the largest media network in the Philippines, uh, which was shut down by the Philippine government more than two months ago. Now, that hearing last Monday, July 6th, uh, lasted for uh, 10 hours, uh, spent mostly scrutinizing the alleged news bias of ABS-CBN. So basically, we heard uh, several congressmen raise their issues against uh, the news content and the news coverage of ABS-CBN. Now, we're airing this uh, podcast today, July 9. And of course, today, the uh, House Committee on Legislative Franchises is expected to conduct a summation on the points uh, or the allegations raised against ABS-CBN as well as the response uh, of ABS-CBN to these allegations. Here's that podcast. For today, we're joined by uh, two important guests. Uh, They're both uh, journalists and at the same time, they are educators. First, I'd like to introduce... Uh, Professor Felipe Salvosa is a journalist and is also in charge of the journalism program of the University of Santo Tomas. Thank you very much, uh, Felipe, for joining us again. Good day, Christian. Thanks for having us. Okay. And of course, our second guest is uh, Professor uh, Danilo Arau. He's also a journalist and a professor of journalism at the University of the Philippines. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Professor Arau, and thank you very much again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the focus of the hearings uh, of the hearing yesterday. Of course, it talked about uh, news bias, particularly the supposedly biased coverage of ABS-CBN. What do you guys thought of how the uh, the hearing was conducted? We saw that it lasted for ten hours, and uh, personally, I thought that it was nothing more but. Um, uh, an opportunity for certain congressmen to go after ABS-CBN to settle certain personal scores uh, with the news organization. But what do you guys think? Anyone? Uh, well, if you would allow me to start, Christian, I think sure. the circus, for lack of a better word, is nothing but a visual spectacle. And uh, it's a bit disappointing uh, for me, as a journalism educator, I was looking for fresh insights into bias uh, from the legislators. I would have wanted uh, to see uh, their perspectives on the role of the media. But all I heard uh, for the hours uh, that went by would be uh, their gripes, personal gripes even, uh, against ABS-CBN. They talked about so-called unfair coverage, but their concept of unfair coverage has to do with the fact that there are certain media content that would uh, go against their own interests. One legislator brought up the issue of Dengbaksha, and when it was the turn of another legislator to discuss Dengbaksha in a different light, this particular legislator is suddenly out of order. Mm. Uh, we talked up, uh, The legislators also talked about the questionable headline on a certain obituary uh, without uh, even considering the fact that when you construct, when you write headlines, you're supposed to be both factual and contextually accurate. 
Uh, actually, there are so many things uh, that would have to be said, and uh, I would defer to Professor Salbosta for more insights on other aspects. Okay, Felipe. Yeah, um, I, you know, it came out from anyway, from Representative Marcoleta, Mar so I think we have to mention his name. No? Uh, he projected himself as a, an arbiter of what good journalism is supposed to be. No? So if you saw himself, uh, how he conducted his questioning of uh, the head of ABS-CBN News and Current Affairs, Jane Reyes, no? uh, he was asking her, so who should be the arbiter of what should be uh, good journalism, fair and balanced journalism? Uh, Marcoleta was implying that the Congress was supposed to pass judgment on the journalism of ABS-CBN. To me, that was appalling. No? Uh, and which, were, which was made obvious speak. yesterday, right? It was, uh, it was obvious. A, it's obvious that Congress is being allowed to pass judgment on the journalistic work of uh, ABS-CBN. You know? Number one, they do not have an expertise you know, to, to do media criticism. You know? They may have their own conceptions of what good journalism is, you know? but is that part of their legislative um, uh, mandate you know, to... to delve into the nitty-gritty of editorial operations and editorial decisions you know? uh, to the point that uh, the representative, the party list representative, even took issue with the difference in the headline, headlines uh, of uh, two online news organizations, ABS-CBN and GMA. Mm -hmm. no? I think I know, um, it should be very clear that the, the goal of this hearing is to interfere with editorial content. And uh, that goes to what uh, uh, Pindoro representative uh, sorry, Sato. 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 Yeah, so, yeah, representative Sato is what what she said uh, that these hearings are becoming uh, an exercise of prior restraint mm -hmm. against a free press. Okay, uh, Professor Danny, let's talk about the dangers of uh, this approach by certain congressmen. Of course, we know that there are also many other congressmen. I'd like to believe personally, who understand uh, the function of journalism, of a free press in a democracy. But let's focus on the manner of questioning, the approach, uh, and the angles or directions uh, pursued by certain congressmen. Basically, uh, it's quite apparent, as uh, Felipe mentioned, uh, that they're trying to interfere and uh, gain control of the content of journalism, of media. Let's talk about the dangers of that, not just as far as ABS-CBN is concerned, but as far as media in general here in the Philippines. It's very dangerous in the sense that we see here uh, the situation where the arbiters of truth or the so-called uh, champions, allegedly, of journalism would be legislators who know nothing about the theoretical, empirical, and normative dimensions of the profession. And the problem there is they are resurrecting uh, policies that we've questioned in the past, like the right of reply uh, law uh, that was supposed to be pending in Congress. And now they are criticizing the media. Why did you oppose it in the past? And that the uh, plight of ABS-CBN is evidence of the need for allegedly uh, right of reply. And mm -hmm. then they took in as uh, a resource person. Uh, I'm sure you know this uh, resource person uh, who used to be a newsreader. And uh, his concept of objectivity uh, is along the lines of equal airtime for 
all sides of the story. And of course, we all know that providing equal airtime would be an editorial nightmare uh, and the concept of objectivity should not be one that is uh, characterized by false equivalency uh, wherein we try to pit idiots against experts. So it's about journalism, it's about the battle of experts. Uh, experts from different sides of the coin. Uh, we don't allow idiots to be heard uh, in journalism. Now, how do you uh, qualify or quantify idiocy? It has to do with expertise in the field. It has to do with your assessment in terms of research track record and all that. So there is nothing subjective about uh, trying to measure expertise in journalism. There are clear metrics. And there are vetting processes involved uh, in producing a particular journalistic output, which is what we call gatekeeping. Unfortunately, uh, in the hearings, uh, it's not just the hearings that uh, were conducted last night, but even the past hearings uh, pertaining to ABS-CBN, uh, these hearings tend to expose uh, the utter ignorance of uh, the legislators. And these are very dangerous grounds because they are trying to redefine journalism along the lines of how journalism will be gagged and servile uh, to the powers that be. So this mm-hmm. is very, very dangerous times. I most definitely agree with, the, with that point that you raised, Professor Aro, because also if you're going to um, analyze the, the pronouncements, the, the manner of questioning by, by certain congressmen, uh, it was quite obvious that uh, they themselves need a lot of uh, education as far as journalism is concerned. Not just the role of journalism, but uh, the function or the basics of journalism. So in this case, I think they need uh, media education uh, to be able to achieve a certain level of media literacy. But the problem is they themselves who are in power are not literate as far as media uh, are concerned. They might uh, end up doing a lot of harm and very little good. Yes. Uh, th- that's my yes. position Position here. Now, Felipe, as the, uh, Professor Aro mentioned the false equivalence. Yesterday, this was also, I think, uh, one of the things that should have been um, uh, better explained and by journalists on social media who are watching the proceedings. Let's talk about the concept of false balance and why it is dangerous uh, in journalism and should not be equated with uh, balance and fairness. I think one of the most prominent journalist who talked about this is uh, CNN's Christian Amanpour. So he was talking in the context of interviewing uh, despots and dictators. Now you don't what is what she's saying is that you don't give equal airtime to to these people. Now uh, in pursuit of what she calls uh, false balance or false equivalency, I think Professor Aro makes a good point. Now um, I think journalists ought to no that's not what I think. It's you know it's what's demanded by the profession. Uh, journalists should be more focused on truthfulness rather than balance. You know? And uh, politicians would like to have, uh, w- would like to demand uh, to be given uh, equal airtime with with their critics. You know? But uh, you know the the uh, the amount of airtime that's given to to certain viewpoints. You now that's the that's a matter of editorial judgment. You no, know? and uh, that is part of a uh, freedom of the press. You know? Uh, which cannot be, you know, abridged under the constitution. Which cannot be abridged by, uh, by uh, proposed bills like the right of reply. So I think Professor Aro makes a good point. No, uh, they're using 
uh, ABS-CBN and other uh, media entities opposition to a right of reply bill against uh, the media when in fact these uh, bills by themselves are unconstitutional because they will uh, abridge the freedom of the press that is uh, cannot be abridged under the constitution. Exactly, and I think this has to be explained to the uh, to our listeners. Uh, the 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 push for a right of reply bill was basically the main reason, or has always been the reason why a freedom of uh, information uh, bill never basically moved at the House of Representatives because of the insistence of these congressmen and their parochial interests to make sure that a right of reply bill would also be passed along with an FOI. Uh, yes, if I recall correctly, uh, it was supposed to be a rider provision in the proposed uh, Freedom of Information Act. And I think uh, we have to also clarify that when we are opposed to the right of reply, it doesn't mean that we are against objectivity or we are against airing all possible angles of a particular story. What we're trying to avoid, aside from uh, the unconstitutional nature of that particular policy, is the editorial nightmare that can be brought about by uh, complying with whatever right of reply law uh, will be will be enacted, if ever. Mm -hmm. uh, just try to imagine, Christian, uh, you have a newspaper, and then on the headline, you have one particular news story, and then the next day, uh, you have, uh, let's say, 10 people, 10 politicians uh, demanding uh, equal space. Uh, so that their side would be heard. I mean, you don't need to be an expert in science to prove that uh, not, not all 10 can occupy the same space at the same time. And if there will be a never-ending uh, debate or never-ending demand uh, to get space, then that particular uh, headline article will forever occupy that particular uh, newspaper in order to comply with the right of reply law. That's yeah. where gate becomes important. For example, if there are certain errors, and sometimes errors can be unavoidable, this can be honest mistakes, sometimes we just simply put it uh, somewhere in the inside pages of a particular newspaper, not because we want to hide the errors, but because there are other pressing issues that deserve to be on the front page. So mm -hmm. these are reasons we have to keep in mind. And when it comes to letters to the editor, for example, we don't need to be too technical about it. We don't publish all letters to the editor because we try to give importance to certain uh, letter senders who try to provide uh, more compelling arguments for or against a certain issue. So when you are a legislator or a politician and you send a letter to the editor, uh, for example, a reaction to a particular issue or you have a press release, it's not as if you will be automatically picked up by the media. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, our uh, legislators should also understand, you mentioned the nightmare in, term, in terms of uh, uh, editorial operations. Uh, in case you put something like this uh, into a law, imagine uh, the fear or the concern on the part of, uh, the, um, of the journalists. So, the, so they won't be facing this hassle of having to accommodate all these politicians who would end up demanding equal space after they were mentioned in, in previous stories. In the long run, journalists would think, I might as well not just uh, do enterprise stories, stories that I think might uh, somehow anger certain politicians because I want to avoid 
the operational hassle or the problems. And imagine I mean, if there's, I'm actually, no, there's an analogous case to that in the U.S. Uh, decades back when they removed the if what they call the fairness doctrine. Because mm. uh, when they when they had the fairness doctrine, you know, the it had a chilling effect on uh, media entities. Now, uh, they would rather avoid uh, controversial topics that would would require them to accommodate all viewpoints. Uh, so they removed that. Although it's still a big debate in the U.S. the removal of the fairness doctrine. Mm. But I think politicians in the Philippines have to be more mature. No, in back in 1918, Justice Malcolm uh, already wrote that you know people in power, people in office. Uh, they cannot be in skin. No? Uh, public opinion is a very important aspect of democracy. They shouldn't take it against the public, uh, journalists in particular, if they are being scrutinized in the conduct of their uh, performance in their public office. No? So mm -hmm. uh, I think this is what uh, no, this is what uh, Representative Achenza was pointing out. Although. They had, he had clashed with uh, Representative Garin of Iloilo before on the Dengvaksha issue. Mm -hmm. uh, then, uh, Representative Garin was being uh, no, scrutinized for uh, her decisions as Health Secretary on the Dengvaksha vaccine. So, uh, you're correct. Now, you make a good point, Ian, earlier when, when you said that uh, we are dealing here with uh, lawmakers who are representing captive districts now. Uh, and uh, these uh, lawmakers have very narrow interests. No? Uh, they are very interested in uh, prolonging, in being re-elected no? in the next election. So they're very, very concerned about their image. No? What, what image they, uh, these hearings will create uh, back in their home districts or, or back in their constituencies. So Representative Garin took a lot of time to defend her actions on the Dengvaksha vaccine. But the point is, she forgets to mention that she has been charged by the mm. DOJ for, uh, for uh, her decisions over the, uh, her recommendation to use the Dengvaksha vaccine. By the way, just and, to be clear, guys, because uh, those who are listening to us might, uh, might think that uh, these three uh, guys here are trying to protect their own ranks. We don't condone erroneous reports, especially those that are made maliciously. All right? So, That's personally, true. I yeah. thought certain, uh, certain uh, questions that were raised during the hearing on news bias were also legitimate, especially when you talk about errors regarding the flesh-eating uh, uh, disease in Pangasinan in 2014, which was also addressed already uh, by the uh, news uh, department of ABS-CBN. Oh, those are valid concerns, pero ang problema rito, if you're going to talk about uh, certain debatable issues regarding, let's say, their definition of bias or objectivity or fairness. Yun. In fact, what Jing Reyes said yesterday uh, is proof that ABS-CBN has internal mechanisms. No? Uh, Jing Reyes said that the journalist concerned, the reporter concerned, was uh, sanctioned. No? Uh, I think the balance falls uh, better towards self-regulation than Congress dictating content to media entities. Yeah. No? And that means that, uh, you know, if you're an aggrieved party, if you feel that you've been wrong, if you feel that you've been subject of uh, unfair or malicious report, you have, uh, you know, you have mechanisms of redress. You can you can complain before the ABS-CBN ombudsman. No? Uh, you, if, if, you did not, if you did not get your redress from the ABS-CBN ombudsman, then you can go to the KBP. No? Mm. There is a, so there's a broadcast code. 
no? uh-huh. uh, and you can file a complaint with the KBP and the KBP will deal with it. So okay. uh, self-regulation, I think, is the way to go rather than you know Congress dictating what the content should be. And let's not forget, there's libel still. No. Uh, Professor Arau, aren't you surprised that even in this day and age, we're still talking about onion-skinned politicians? We saw this yesterday when, uh, for example, Cavite Representative uh, Jesus Crispin Remulla said that he had gone to the NBI uh, to, uh, to actually uh, file a complaint for quote-unquote cyberbullying. In this day and age, we're supposedly more mature as a democracy. I'm saying more mature. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not surprising in the sense that uh, we do expect uh, the likes of Remolia to act that way. Uh, since day one, they've been uh, at the crosshairs, not just of ABS-CBN, but of uh, press freedom in general. Because when you look at the line of questioning uh, of uh, Remolia, particularly, uh, his manner of questioning is quite brash, very brazen. And in fact, it even came to a point where he asked, a lawyer uh, of ABS-CBN if he understands the Filipino language or if he wants uh, to hear an American accent of English which uh, Remulyak can allegedly provide. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, we see here quite a uh, spectacle as I mentioned a while ago. Uh, they're not just ignorant of the workings of the press and uh, if you want me to be a bit blunt about it, if they really want to deny uh, ABS-CBN's franchise, why haven't they done so uh, since day one or day five? Why do they have to prolong the agony? So I think they're just trying to irritate the hell out of Ging Reyes or Carlo Catigbac. And to the credit of uh, the representatives of ABS-CBN, uh, we should admire them for having you know, the, the composure, the necessary composure amid the hostile atmosphere. Uh, if it were me, uh, that's why I make a bad uh, news manager, I will just simply walk out and just say to hell with the franchise. But of course, uh, there are more pressing issues uh, by, by the way, that would have to be deliberated upon. I'm by sorry, the way, yes. I'm curious, Professor Arrow and the Professor Solvosa, uh, weren't you guys invited uh, to the hearing on news bias? Because I assume that uh, the congressman <laughs> would have wanted to listen to the opinion of journalism educators and journalists. Professor, no, Ari, you, were, you were not invited? No, no. Uh, about you, Professor Salvosa, because I know uh, that uh, they, they sought uh, your uh, opinion, your professional opinion, right, on the franchise. But were you invited the, to the actual hearing? The committee in, in April asked for a uh, position paper. So I submitted it. Uh, but I was not invited. Okay. I really wonder why, you know, it doesn't even have to be me. You know, I, I really wonder why they didn't invite media experts, you know, journalists and professors to talk about, you know, I was, I was I, like Professor Aro, I was anticipating a very good discussion on what should be uh, bias, uh, what, what are the concepts of bias and objectivity when it comes to journalism. You know? But we had none of that. We had Marcoleta, Representative Marcoleta lecturing <laughs> Journalists how to do, on how to do their job. Now, and, how to, and, how, and how to write headlines. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Christian, if we want to be fair in terms of the selection of uh, resource persons, uh, we have to mention that uh, representatives from the National Union of Journalists of the Philippines and the Center for Media Freedom and Responsibility were invited. Uh, I didn't quite catch uh, if uh, the CMFR representative was able to 
provide uh, his or her manifestation uh, on the issue. But uh, I did see uh, Raymond Villanueva of uh, NUJP, uh, you know, trying to provide, uh, despite the limited time available, uh, his insights on bias. But again, I would tend to agree with Professor Salvosa. Uh, it's still different if you have a journalism educator or a communications educator uh, talking about media bias from a theoretical, empirical, and normative perspective. I mean, we're not taking away the value of journalists talking about uh, the actual practice. But we need confirmation and validation based on theory and empirical information so that we can better benchmark the uh, practice of journalism here and the practice of journalism elsewhere. Uh, we didn't e uh, during the hearing, I'm surprised they didn't even mention the worlds of journalism study, for example, by Thomas Hanich. They didn't even quote from Dennis McQuail or from uh, Dennis Weaver or, or from Martin Lofelholz or even our very own authors like uh, Maslog, Encanto, Chodoro, or Santos. I mean, these surnames uh, should have been heard. Uh, again, I just like Professor Salvosa, it doesn't have to be me or anybody from uh, UST or UP. Uh, it would have to be, you know, the experts. I mean, if you want to name names, I was hoping that Luis Teodoro would have been invited there. I mean, he can talk about uh, the nuances of journalism uh, even in his sleep. That's how much of an expert he is. I mean, we have to look at expertise more than the spectacle that we have. Uh, and I wish to put on record, Jay Swansa doesn't belong there. Uh, he doesn't know anything about journalism uh, because when he talked about balance, uh, that's not the balance or objectivity that we're talking about. Uh, so apparently, uh, we need more experts and less of Jay Swansa. I'm sorry to say that. Your Honor, I second the motion. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was quite problematic because sometimes we see uh, alleged uh, journalists talking about fairness and balance. And in fact, um, if you examine their, their career, perhaps their life's work, uh, you would see that they themselves are uh, heavily guilty of uh, the crimes that they're trying to uh, ascribe on other journalists. Now, for the end time, let's talk about bias, partiality, objectivity, uh, a very much misused concept and highly misunderstood concept in journalism. Uh, let's start with you, Felipe. Objectivity, how should this be understood once and for all? And I hope the congressmen are listening. Well, uh, uh, two, two writers who have written extensively about uh, objectivity uh, are the American uh, uh, journalism uh, theorists uh, Kovac and Rosenstiel. No? They mentioned in their book, uh, which for many journalists is some sort of a manifesto or a Bible in journalism, that objectivity uh, is a term that has been misused for the past several decades. No? When American journalism began uh, more than 100 years ago, uh, objectivity uh, was not a, what they say, a core value of journalism. Uh, so they talk about the need to reclaim the, the original um, conception of what, of, of the role of objectivity in journalism should be. Uh, according to Kovac and Rosenstiel, objectivity is not the goal. No? It's, not the, it's not the end of journalism. Rather, 
objectivity uh, objectivity refers to um, the the methods no? or the means meaning to say if a journalist if, if a journalist um, does a report no gathers data do, does interviews uh, you know follows the paper trail uh, conceivably another journalist should be able to trace no uh, replicate the process replicate the process no and then uh, come up with uh, come up with a, with a with a similar or maybe a different story but the point is the, the, the work of journalists should be verifiable no mm -hmm. and that is what they meant by objectivity objectivity is not meant to be you know uh, 100% neutrality no so santos Virgil santos talks about uh, objectivity uh, as a mountain that cannot be <laughs> like Mount Everest. No, it's very difficult to climb. No, because mm -hmm. you cannot really be a hundred percent objective or neutral because you are, you know, as we've said in previous podcasts. No, you know, you're a product of your own, you know, cultural context. No, your own social milieu. No, so your you have, have our own. Yeah, we have we have our own uh, biases. You know, we have our own preconceived notions of things. No. The key for journalists is to manage these processes by, you know, talking to uh, as many people as possible, talking to as many sources as possible, talking to uh, as many experts as possible, no? To and you know, check, make it a point to check their biases, no? Okay. Uh, doing so would be a service to the readers. Okay, Professor Danny, how about the concept of uh, bias? Because here, the, I think people should understand that objectivity should be uh, seen more of uh, more as a process, a procedure. Personally, I think this is the closest that journalism uh, can get to the scientific method. But what about bias? This was raised yesterday. Um, a lot of congressmen were complaining about bias. When does actually uh, when, when is a new story considered biased? And is it technically wrong? Okay. For example, yung bias na yan. Well, uh, if you go by what. Uh Felipe Salvosa mentioned uh, a particular textbook called The Elements of Journalism by Kobach and Rosenspiel. Uh, one of the core principles there is the journalist's first obligation is to the truth. Mm. So, of course, uh, the certain bias for the truth uh, would be there. But uh, we have to remember that when we talk about bias, it's not as if uh, we look at uh, the journalist as a robot or, as a, or a journalistic output as a product of an atomist process, meaning that it should be value-free, emotion-free, or whatever. Uh, an investigative report, for example, is inherently biased against wrongdoing. You cannot write an investigative report and say that uh, I am neither for nor against corruption, or I am neither for nor against uh, certain unacceptable malpractices in governance. So there are certain parameters for checking, however, against what we call subjective bias. Mm. What do we mean by subjective bias? This would be the, for example, an emotional uh, manner in which certain uh, news, news articles would be written. So the basic rule of thumb in journalism is to avoid unnecessary adjectives and adverbs, for example. Yeah. Because sometimes unnecessary adjectives and adverbs may be able to add color to a certain news story but you might be able to misinterpret uh, the intended message. For example, if you take... I'm sorry, go ahead. Good thing that you mentioned that. Uh, I think it's important for us to set examples. 
yung unnecessary adjectives that actually uh, could instigate certain emotions. No? For example, a, a common example is the, uh, the, the usual adjective Muslim used in certain suspects in connection exactly, with a crime. Yes. So that one is a negative bias, subjective bias that we should uh, do away with. But bias in itself as a concept is not necessarily wrong. For example, if you're biased for the truth. Exactly. And sometimes uh, journalism by itself is a choice, a personal choice done by people, not because they want to be famous or they want to write, but because they want to make a difference. That would partly explain why some of the more award-winning journalists are very, very biased or very, very passionate, if you may, about certain issues. I mean, we can mention a particular journalist who has garnered awards because of his environmental reporting. Why? Because he cares so much about the environment. And uh, we all know that this particular journalist uh, is against mining companies because of the destructive nature of uh, because of the destructive nature of mining vis-a-vis uh, -vis the environment. I mean, that kind of a perspective or that kind of a principle uh, should be maintained uh, by journalists. So going back to the ABS-CBN hearings, uh, they just look at bias as, as just simply, maybe they just consulted a dictionary and then they went to the conclusion that all biases are bad mm -hmm. and that uh, all journalists should just be robots or maybe uh, they just want to just copy-paste all press releases, all praise releases coming from government or any agency, and then, uh, they, then it can be passed off as journalism with just the journalist putting his or her byline to a particular press release or a particular press statement. So that's why these are very dangerous grounds. So the ignorance brought about by their misunderstanding or wrong understanding of bias uh, could result eventually in control of media content, which we have to guard against. And I think it's ridiculous now, it's ridiculous that uh, <laughs> one uh, representative was questioning why his story about uh, rice donations was in the SCBN. I mean... Uh, <laughs> who, who, was the, who was this congressman? I, I think I missed that. It's, it's Representative Michael Etano. He's wondering why his uh, rice solicitations and donations were not carried by ABS-CBN. I mean, uh, it's it, it, it objective, no, which is to really control the content of, of the media. No? So, uh, but you know, things are nothing new. No, politicians complaining about media coverage, they're not being covered a lot by the media. But, um, what can they do? I mean, we are not journalists, are supposed to serve as publicists for politicians. No, I think they make journalists, uh, as publicists. No, so. For example, Marcoleta had this uh, had this uh, very unreasonable demand of uh, the ABS-CBN reporter Mike Nalio to organize a press conference for him. I mean, mm -hmm. journalists cannot uh, organize press conferences for politicians. I think it should be clear. No, uh, Marcoleta is a very good speaker. No, he he has a good command of uh, Tagalog of the Filipino language. And he is very adept at turning the tables on his accusers. Now, so uh, I think it has to be to Congressman Marcoleta. Why wouldn't you answer my values question right there then? Why do you need to have a press conference organized by Mr. Mike Navalio and demand that he gather other reports no, before you could answer the question? No, mm. So uh, now he turns the tables on Navalio and accuses Navalio of some imaginary wrongdoing. 
Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, Mike Novalio did his research. No? In fact, Mike Novalio consulted, uh, followed the paper trail and found out that Representative Marcoleta has been the author of other franchise bills. No? It not be the principal author, his name is there. No? His name mm-hmm. is part of the list of authors. No? If he demands a lot, and Marco, uh, on uh, Mike Navallo and other journalists, he, unfortunately, he cannot he cannot demand the same of himself. No, yeah, and, mata- mm, and I think a, a high standard for others, but not for himself. When precisely. Not, and I think uh, it should be pointed out to uh, Congressman Marcoleta that uh, the online, that basically the website of the House of Representatives, was a credible source of information, at least initial source of information. He cannot always make the excuse that uh, oh, they didn't update the website. Then he should blame the, 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 those who are actually managing the website. But that would be uh, just a side issue. Uh, I think the basic if question the listener, was uh, no. author or not. If the listener is discerning, you can see that these people are you know, making up straw men to attack. Now, for example, he takes issue supposedly that Mr. Navalio uh, described him as a principal author. Now, if you go back to the stories and the tweets of Mike Navalio, he, didn't, he never said that uh, the congressman was the principal author of the bill. He was one of the co-authors. Mm. No? Now, if, 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 if he denies that, that he's not one of the co-authors of the bill, then, I mean, you know, official actions do not matter anymore. That, you know, you, if, if it becomes inconvenient to you, you, you deny authorship. But it's been there. He did not question uh, his inclusion in the list. No? Mm-hmm. Another example is Representative Garin, uh, who accused, uh, who, who drew up her own uh, story when she said that uh, um, she was uh, described as having apologized for the Dengbaksha program. No? I think the, if you go back to the report, no, uh, you might take a lot of issues with the report, but I think the report basically that she apologized to the mothers. And if you go back, she played she played the whole clip, no, in in last night's hearing. It's clear that she apologized to the mother, no. So I mean, why do we have to split hairs here, no? She was not accused of a, she was not described as having apologized for for the Dengbaksha program. She was described as having apologized to the mothers, no. And okay. you know, don't words mean anything, because <laughs> if it's inconvenient for you, you deny it, no. So. That's, mm. you know, that's uh, politicians for us. Professor Arau, uh, let's talk about yeah. um, headline writing. Professor, uh, not Professor, Congressman Marcoleta raised this issue. I think he was the one who raised this issue regarding the headline of an online ABS-CBN news article about uh, the death of uh, former Foreign Secretary Perfecto Yasai. Yasai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, he was uh, he was questioning the inclusion of a phrase which said that Perfecto Yasai, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, the one who led the uh, the China pivot of the Philippines China under pivot. Duterte. Okay, yeah. the China pivot. Uh, what's wrong with Marcoleta's uh, criticism? Because <laughs> from a journalistic perspective, there's nothing wrong with the headline. There was something wrong with Marcoleta. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a polite way of saying it because it's very much, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense that uh, we would uh, nitpick on the headline provided by ABS-CBN. If they want it that way, then what's the problem there? If you don't like it, then you read something else. So I guess that's the basic uh, disposition there. Uh, From my point of view, uh, I think Marcoleta is just simply nitpicking when you 
look at uh, how uh, he carried himself uh, throughout the hearing. So the very little faults that ABS-CBN has, he would try to make a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak. And sometimes he would even create non-issues. And the headline is one such non-issue. Uh, we have to remember uh, when you read Lambeth's Committed Journalism and Ethic for the Profession, Lambeth mentions two kinds of accuracy, factual accuracy and contextual accuracy. So even in headline writing, we go for both factual and contextual accuracy. What is the fact in that particular headline, the fact that Yasai died? What is the context? Among his many legacies, what would he be most remembered for? So we give it to ABS-CBN the prerogative to, to select what would be the legacy of Yasai. So the most recent would be China's pivot as former DFA secretary. You can mm -hmm. even say that he was former SEC chair. From mm -hmm. what I recall, he used to head the Securities and Exchange Commission. Or he tested so against Arab. Me, I cannot criticize ABS-CBN for saying that, why didn't you choose SEC chair instead of his work as a former... I'm sorry? He testified against Arab also before. I mean, you can pick and choose uh, yeah, what that's you one think, too. Yeah, about what you think would, uh, would be the highlight or an applicable highlight uh, in a person's career after he dies, yeah. right? So, as you correctly think, mentioned, you leave uh, that to the journalist to assess. I think, Ian, uh, another instructive uh, you know, manual would be the one written by Fred Fedler, where he makes a distinction uh, in his book, uh, which is uh, widely textbook in journalism. He makes a distinction between uh, journalistic uh, obituaries and uh, death notices. No? So, Uh, si, si Congressman Marcoleta apparently only wants death notices, no? the plain unadorned facts, no? the name of the disease, the age, cause of death, uh, tinong, uh, you know, the bereaved family, that's it. No? Uh, however, yung journalistic obituary is you know, something that is of, of a specialty to many journalists. No? I think he, he take the time to read the New York Times. No? Uh, New York Times makes a good job of writing especially, for example, the one they did on uh, Senator Pimentel. No? Uh, realistic obituaries you have to make the reader remember the life of the person of the deceased. No? By, as Professor Arrow correctly mentioned, putting into context no, uh, what, and, uh, what are the significant achievements of this person. No? It cannot be just the date of birth and date of death. Otherwise, that's a mere death notice. That's an obit. And can you guys imagine if we're going to follow the journalistic standards of fairness and balance of the likes of Congressman Marcoleta? Can you imagine how a lead or a headline would read, a person died yesterday, period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. That, that's how it doesn't like journalism. Be. That's all it is. Yeah, well, the bottom line here, Christian, is that... Uh, He wants to redefine uh, journalism in a way that would suit uh, the powers that be. Uh, I think that's the clear and simple explanation of it. Uh, what they want is basically the practice of public relations disguised as journalism. Uh, and we have to always oppose that kind of uh, posturing. Do you think there was enough clarification during the hearing yesterday uh, to somehow help... Uh clarify issues regarding journalistic values and principles or 
because I think uh, that's one silver lining that we should look at. That despite this uh, bogus uh, concepts being propagated by certain congressmen, perhaps with the way things were answered, uh, there could be some sort of a silver lining. Did you see anything of that sort? Or there's none at all? Well, going... <laughs> Well, going by the lineup of the speakers, uh, it's good that there were representatives from the National Union of Journalists of the Philippines and there was a journalist uh, who also mentioned uh, certain principles of journalism. But uh, they were simply overwhelmed and outnumbered by the other resource persons who have a convoluted sense of journalism. Uh, that's one thing. Now, to be fair, not all legislators uh, have... Uh, skewed understanding of journalism. Some of them know the value of press freedom and from, the, from, from their own manifestations and from their own lines of questioning, we're able to get some insights or some ideas. But the noisiest and the most overpowering, unfortunately, would be some of the self-entitled politicians uh, who would want to have their way. And my fear here is that for the thousands if not millions of viewers, uh, they might get the idea that uh, journalism should be gagged and servile to the powers that be. And we need a lot of media literacy to clarify to the public that uh, what we have right now is just simply repression of the press. Uh, when Ramulia asked uh, why is it that uh, ABS-CBN keeps on insisting that uh, this is a press freedom issue and that once the, the, the franchise is granted, it will not be a press freedom issue anymore. Uh, he forgets one important detail here. And what is that particular fact? It is the fact that it's not just ABS-CBN's uh, goal to carry the torch of press freedom, but it's actually the many uh, journalists and media workers who are looking along the lines of the franchise issue as part of the systemic attack against the media. And by the way, this is not just a press freedom issue. This is also a labor issue. Mm. So let's not forget the 11,000 or so workers uh, whose jobs are now uh, hanging in the balance because of what these legislators are doing. We cannot afford to have that kind of a bleeding heart saying that uh, they sympathize with the workers, but ABS-CBN still remains to be closed for the simple reason that they violated the law. It's not just a simple violation of the law. Uh, that's their narrative. And the, base, the bigger challenge for all of us would be to debunk that particular narrative, not just in the days, but also in the years to come. And you mentioned uh, the, the questioning by Congressman uh, Ramulia. Uh, he was asking Jing um, uh, Reyes, the, chief of, uh, the, the new chief of ABS-CBN, regarding whether she thought if this uh, franchise issue was a press freedom issue, it was quite awkward because uh, honestly, we know the answer to that. But what did he expect uh, Ms. Reyes to say? I mean, <laughs> you have this, uh, th this possibility, you have this guy who's leading the charge against ABS-CBN at the committee level asking you uh, a question which you know is actually rhetorical in the first place. Because there's no right or wrong, uh, there, there's no right answer there. I, I think this has to be made clear also. Yes, that's but true. What that's did you expect Ms. Reyes to say? I don't know. This is not a press freedom issue. Because we need... Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually, 
to the credit of Miss Jing Reyes, uh, she handled himself. She handled herself uh, rather quite well. Uh, if it were me, I would have just said yes. It's a press freedom issue because of people like you. <laughs> uh, that would be the more direct answer there. Uh, but uh, I I think uh, we have to give credit again to. Mr. Katigbak and Ms. Reyes for trying to keep their composure because uh, we have to understand here, Christian, that uh, ABS-CBN is also in that awkward position right now mm. where you need really the support of Congress to grant the franchise. But you know, at the end of the day, Christian, if the franchise will be granted, it will not be because of utang na loob with the majority of the legislators, but because of public pressure. And yeah. just in case the franchise is denied, it will still be granted. That's my fearless forecast. It will still be granted, uh, but most likely in the next administration, assuming that the next administration would be more cooperative or would be now uh, holding uh, under public pressure. Or it could be granted, uh, but for a shorter period with, and with a lot of concessions. That's one possibility also. Yes, we have to be very open to that possibility as well. And that would partly explain why with ABS-CBN, uh, the pressure, for lack of a better word, uh, will still be there because uh, if you give in to certain concessions, then you will still be subject to a lot of media criticism in terms of reportage. And if ever the reportage would be found to be one thing, of course, uh, you would get a lot of constructive criticism from, you know, from the concerned public. And yeah, as definitely. professional journalists, yeah, and as professional journalists, we have to be open to such uh, constructive criticisms anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, what's the use of uh, exercising journalism if you're not uh, going to push the principles, the core principles of that, uh, of that profession? Uh, you cannot do it half-heartedly because of the uh, concessions, for example, or you cannot kowtow with the powers that be simply because of uh, the franchise issue. Journalism is journalism. Exactly. Christian, I think the pastor of hearings no, to a new generation of Filipinos, a new generation of voters who are being exposed to the politics that we have. No? Uh, they have the front row seat now. It's timing. No? So, uh, uh, term break, no students are uh, not doing anything. They have the time to monitor these hearings, and they have a ring view of what's happening in Congress right now. That congressmen who are pushing their narrow interests and um, bearing down on a TV network who happen to have an expired franchise. No, so uh, I think when these young people know who have uh, trended a lot of topics uh, last night about these hearings, they are more aware than the previous uh, generation, their parents, no? they're more politically uh, aware. They, they, are, they have more, uh, you know, they, they have, they're more oriented towards social justice issues. No? I think they will uh, vote differently from their, you know, from, from their seniors and take into account what's happening right now. Many lawmakers are correct in saying that this is a watershed moment. This is a historic moment. The ABS-CBN franchise hearings will be studied in the future as a case study of um, political power, the law being used 
uh, being weaponized against the press. No? I think also congressmen also have to listen to some of their members who have very good insights. For example, Representative Gabriel Bordado of uh, Camarines, uh, who, by the way, is a former broadcaster. No? So he, he made he made very good points uh, yesterday uh, when he said that, uh, you know, we cannot just throw accusations of bias against the press. Uh, it's better for democracy, for the balance to fall uh, to in favor of a free press than for the government to control content. Also, see Representative Sato. No? So, uh, Representative Sato, I'm sure, has been the target of uh, stories before that you know she might have not liked. But I liked her maturity. No? So, uh, Representative Sato recognizes the vital importance of a free press. Mm -hmm. in a functioning democracy. So setting aside whatever negative stories that have been written about her, uh, taking into account other stories that have been written about her on balance, no, media has been fair. Even to Representative Garin. Now, if you look at, uh, if you do a Google search of the ABS-CBN stories that have come out on Representative Garin, ABS-CBN has actually been giving Representative Garin a lot of uh, space, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, web pages no to air her views no so i really don't get it why she keeps on harping about the dengvaxa coverage when in fact if she so desires it no there can be a story written about her views on the matter no? so and, oh. these are issues that you know are very parochial they're out to protect their interests and their reputations and they're out to to make sure that they are re-elected in the next cycle Precisely. And before I forget, we know that uh, before, uh, before someone runs for public office, especially if that person is new uh, to the, uh, the, the politics, new in politics, basically, they hire certain consultants, they go to a certain, for example, public administration experts to teach them how to, things as basic as how a bill becomes a law, how to uh, handle public policy. I think uh, one good addition would be how to deal with media and understand the role of media in a democracy so that we could lessen the number of onion-skinned politicians out there. And I think another, another problem is this. Uh, they are demanding equal, quote-unquote, space or airtime uh, 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 in broadcast media, but they don't like it. For example, if you talk about the likes of uh, Congressman Ron Salo, uh, my apologies for having to raise this. Uh, I think they have this misconception that... Uh, when you interview them, you give them proper airtime, you're not supposed to challenge their assertions. I think that's one thing that, 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 that they should also realize. That when you deal with real journalists, expect to be uh, asked legitimate questions. Otherwise, you go to PTB4, uh, uh, PNA, you go there, to the government uh, media organizations. My apologies for having to say this, but, but this is true. No, you know, yes, even Maria Ressa had to go through Stephen Sacker, and Stephen Sacker of BBC, you know, he, he, the, his show is called Hardball. <laughs> he throws a lot of hard questions, no? And, you know, he does I think it, it's hard uh, talk. In a, hard talk. Sorry, hard, hard, sorry, hard talk, hard talk. No? So, uh, he, it's his job, and Maria, Maria Ressa understood it. No? So, um, unfortunately, our politicians have not reached a level of maturity uh, that they could handle uh, hard questions. They are, they are uh, very used to asking them in which uh, they get only softball questions so that they will not be exposed for who they are. Mm.
Professor Danny, yeah. you were saying something earlier? Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, you're right in saying that uh, there should be an additional course for new legislators about media networking. Uh, my only fear here is that if you take it from a public relations point of view, definitely you'll be hearing more of the same. This is oh. how to manipulate media. Oh, definitely this not. This is how not, to pay media. Yeah, not that. Not of that sort. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, definitely we're on the same page here. That's why uh, there's a need uh, even for something as basic as how do you properly write a press release? And mm -hmm. how is it different from a praise release? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. right now, whenever you get press releases, uh, all of them are basically all praises for a particular organization or a particular personality. And sometimes uh, when we read press releases, it's as if it is a springboard for someone in the next election cycle because of all the things, all the good things that he or she uh, is doing. But the real journalist, as you correctly mentioned, should be there to challenge uh, all assertions. Pardon my levity at this particular point, Christian, but sometimes uh, it may be good for some politicians to sit in thesis defenses at the undergraduate and graduate level so that they can be better exposed to the hard questions. I mean, if our students can withstand the hard questions, and we expect a lot from our students, so shouldn't we be expecting the same thing uh, from the politicians? Because... Uh, that's what we need right now. Uh, less onion-skinned politicians and more individuals who are, who are open uh, to the hard questions. And they, you shouldn't take offense if journalists are confrontational because even Dennis McQuail uses the word adversarial. Even Thomas Hanich uses words like critical and adversarial to refer to the press because that's the nature of the fourth estate. Mm. And I think, uh, what, what do you make of this uh, reaction coming from certain congressmen uh, who were quite sensitive uh, with the uh, criticisms that they had been getting on social media? Uh, I didn't realize that uh, they could uh, reach this uh, level of, or they could plunge to this uh, level of pettiness. I mean, yeah. there are, on a number of occasions, they cited comments, negative comments against them on social media, and they had to mention those comments or those concerns on the floor. I mean, we're talking here of uh, the bigger issues of press freedom, of labor, of a news organization uh, being blackmailed by, by, by certain congressmen because of unfavorable uh, reports or reports that they considered as unfavorable. And then here you have certain congressmen uh, citing or, or being too onion-skinned or being snowflakes uh, regarding comments on social media. What do you make of that? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, there's no place for that uh, on, the, on the floor of Congress uh, because if you're being onion-skinned, well, uh, you don't belong in Congress. Uh, but to be fair, perhaps legislators would uh, have some basis for complaining if they are being red tagged, for example, if they are being uh, threatened uh, with death, with rape, uh, you know, uh, if, they're if there's really an actual threat, then by all means, uh, they have to file the necessary complaint to the authorities. But if you are being roundly criticized on social media, uh, you don't need to use your power in Congress to say that, hey, to all of my bashers out there, uh, 
I will see you in court or I will have the National Bureau of Investigation investigating you. I mean, uh, it's just simply a simple abuse of power. There's no other explanation for it. Yeah, and and for for someone, uh, for some people who are exercising immense powers, I couldn't uh, understand why they're so sensitive. <laughs> Despite mm. their protest to the contrary, no. Uh, for, yeah. I remember Congressman saying that, uh, no, ah, sanay na ako dito, kasi politiko ako, ganon matagal na akong uh, sanay sa ganitong labanan. But on the contrary, their actions say otherwise, no. So they are really sensitive to what's said about them on social media. Now, for example, Sentative Garin uh, trended, uh, he became, uh, made the rounds of Twitter last night when, uh, you know, she read all the mean tweets about her during the hearing as if, uh, you know, trying to fact-check tweets about her uh, uh, in the session of Congress. I think it was an abuse. No? She has talked, she has answered, discussed Lengthily. In fact, Representative Chenza said she occupied one-third of the afternoon session just to talk about her gripes on about ABS-CBN. And yet, ano, she still needed more time to debunk uh, these uh, videos that circulated about her last night. When in fact, sa kanya naman ang galing eh, that she made an apology. No? So, uh, what what she, what Garin is telling us is to you know ignore what happened before. <laughs> And I think uh, you know, sweep that under the rug. And I think what she's trying to uh, to clarify was uh, what was that apology for? Was he was she apologizing for rolling out the Dengvaxer vaccines uh, despite preliminary questions about uh, the the vaccine, or was he was she actually apologizing to the to the mothers over something else, over perhaps mm-hmm. the stress that uh, they had to go through? Uh, but I even then, they, there was an apology. Make a judgment for themselves about what what she said. No, I, but uh, I think she she she's on the defensive right now because she's facing uh, uh, cases. No, so uh, you know, unfortunately, that's part of the territory as a public official. Mm-hmm. You will be scrutinized for your actions. She should uh, treat that as part of the territory. She's a politician. She became oh. part of the cabinet. Therefore, her official actions will be scrutinized, whether she liked it or not. Now, as a final point, guys, uh, I'd like to start with Professor Ara. We talked about the uh, immense and intense sensitivity of certain congressmen, uh, which uh, uh, strongly suggests that they are, at the very least, uh, listening to public opinion. But how do you think this could uh, somehow factor in in their decision uh, regarding whether to grant a franchise uh, to ABS-CBN? On one hand, uh, I think that there are legislators who are already close-minded and they've already made up their minds uh, regarding how they would vote uh, for the franchise renewal. But there are still a lot of legislators who are undecided. So as the saying goes, hope springs eternal uh, for ABS-CBN. So there is still that possibility, no matter how little, that the franchise uh, will be renewed for another 25 years. But it will definitely be an uphill battle. And the key here would be the public pressure that will come about uh, between now and uh, the time that, uh, AB, that uh, the House of Representatives uh, will put uh, this matter to a vote at the committee level and then at the plenary level. So it's still a long way to go. 
And uh, my perception here is that uh, more or less, these politicians, these close-minded politicians have ended up exposing themselves as the enemies of press freedom. I'm sorry to say that. But that's how it is. They are enemies of press freedom, and uh, in due time, they will go down in history as such. Mm. Well, uh, also, um, let's not forget that uh, Speaker Alan Peter Caetano uh, opted not to uh, testify or to ask questions during the hearing because according to him, uh, he didn't want to influence, quote-unquote, uh, his, uh, his colleagues or the tenor of the of the hearings and uh, afterward he came out to, with a with a statement saying that uh, he was calling for a conscience vote i think uh, also the term conscience has to be clarified because uh, that presupposes the presence of conscience which of course as human beings we we possess but uh, the next question is is that a well-formed conscience or not <laughs> so that would depend yeah. on, on whether the presence of that conscience or that conscience itself is well-formed so, Felipe, yung, th th that concern, uh, do you think uh, the fact that they're listening to public opinion, do you think somehow uh, this could also affect the way or how they would vote here? Or somehow, you know, that how, how things work in the House of Representatives, there's an order, perhaps, uh, for example, coming from Malacanang in certain cases, that ultimately things would be decided based on that and not based on what their constituents actually want them to, to decide. I think a lot of credit has to be given to groups like the NUJP and the CMFR for uh, fomenting the industry and public pressure to approve the ABS franchise because the vote will be crucial. The committee has to vote to send the franchise to the plenary so it could finally be voted up by the entire chamber. Uh, the committee might be filled with uh, very noisy oppositors, no? but uh, also members of the committee uh, who, who are tilting in favor of the franchise. No? Uh, I hope that the call of the speaker for a conscience vote will be used by the members of the committee uh, to read in what is the public interest. No? And the public interest is very clear. Many Philippines are yearning for ABS-CBN to be back on the airwaves, and uh, if you, you know, if you do not want ABS return, then you are appoint millions of Philippines depend on the network for information and entertainment. It is also crucial for plenary to decide on the bill, so that finally we get to involve the other in the process, which is the Senate. So hopefully, when the bill to the Senate for uh, these interests would be limited. Uh, as we know, uh, our senators are nationally elected. They have, they are supposed to have a broader view on things, and hopefully, broader view would be balance, would balance the rather narrow uh, interests that were pursued by these congressmen in the franchise hearings in the Committee on Legislative Franchises and Good Government. Well, gentlemen... I'm optimistic, mm. that, I'm optimistic that, you know, a good sense will prevail upon uh, many of our congressmen and finally approve this franchise. Let's hope. Uh, well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us uh, on this podcast. Always a pleasure having you here, Professor uh, Felipe Salvosa and Professor Danilo Arau. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. 
And that's it for this week's episode of Matters of Fact. I'm your host, uh, Christian Isguera. Now, if you like this show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share this episode on social media because it helps uh, new listeners to find us. 